Hi. I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. We're glad you're here. We're happy you're here. We're happy we're here. I'm happy you're here. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I had no other choice. Nope. 11 years of friendship, my dude. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been a good time so far. It was the best of times. There were not some not so great times. Not with us. Just you. We were around during the not great times. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if we've had we've had like disagreements, but there's never been a like blowout fight between the two. No, we've never had a fight fight. I think mostly one, because I think both of us are technically non confrontational. Mm. But also because I don't know. I feel like I'm comfortable enough with you that if there's something that's a like really not great, I'd be like, yo. Yeah. Well, and I feel like we've gotten, as we've gotten older, we've gotten oh, yeah. better at being like, hey, I'm feeling some kind of way about X, Y, and Z. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, the maturity aspect of it, yeah. definitely. And I mean, life continuously changes. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho's all we we have been and continue to be two best friends that like talking about obviously all kinds of stuff. Mental health reminders. Uh drink some water, make a will, freewill.com, and uh go to our website, this podcast doesn't exist.com to listen to all our all our episodes, to follow us on all the social medias, to write in with all your own spooky stories or topic suggestions. And download our bingo card if you so choose. Yeah, it's a fun thing to play if you are uh, the passenger princess like I usually am. Can't um, relate. Yeah. Well, I say that like as, as if I don't drive my own car constantly, but you know. You don't though. You work from home. You don't go anywhere. Yeah, but when I do go places, I usually don't have worry driving. That's true. But like on road trips and stuff, road you trips get to be definitely passenger like long, princess. long, long haul drives. I think it makes him feel better because, uh, <laughs> as he's put it, I have road rage, even when I'm not driving. So, at the very least, he can say, "You're not driving, so please stop with the road rage." <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, welcome, friends. We're happy you're here. Today is not going to be the happiest of days. Or the happiest of times. So just a trigger warning for medical malpractice, potentially. And Gee whiz, I'm glad this is happening now and death. not several weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I went but... to the ER for like 24 hours. Fun times. Well, she's I was in g- the ER for 12 hours. but yeah. She's okay. Yeah, I'm fine. She's, you know. Basically, it was food poisoning. We're pretty sure. Yeah. But... Yeah, she's she's okay now but don't do that again to me because that was scary i i, I i'm was not, not having a good time it. either also my mom was there shout out thank to my god mom. thank you mama karen <laughs> our topic today is in honor of your gray's anatomy honorary md mm-hmm because I know Erica has started rewatching Grey's Anatomy. She has. Shout out to Erica. If yes. you would like to listen to our friend Erica, the the completion of the wife set um, <laughs> on the podcast. If you'd like to listen to her episode, go back one week. She's there. But it reminded me of something that Rory actually suggested to mm. me. So today we are going to talk about the mysterious death of Gloria Ramirez. 
Any no inklings? No, ma'am. Great. Let's keep going. Known as the toxic woman by the media, she was blamed for the illnesses of those who treated her. But is she really the one at fault? Or was she named to cover up something more sinister? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. At 8.15 p.m. on February 19, 1994, 31-year-old mother of two, Gloria Cecilia Ramirez, was wheeled into the ER of Riverside, California's General Hospital. She was having a horrible time breathing and was extremely confused. She had been vomiting for hours. The paramedics who brought her in said she was having severe heart palpitations. She also had been battling late-stage cervical cancer for six weeks since her diagnosis. So she didn't get a diagnosis of her cancer until it was too late. The paramedics had spent 14 minutes in the unventilated ambulance treating Ramirez, during which they spilled a small amount of blood inserting the IV line. Not uncommon, you're in a car. She hadn't stabilized at all when they entered the ER, and Gloria was immediately transferred to trauma room one. Gloria was administered three sedating drugs to try and calm her and two to stabilize her heartbeat. Because her breathing was shallow, a nurse was using an ambu bag, a rubber bladder connected to a plastic mask, to force air into the patient's lungs. But Gloria wasn't responding to any treatment, and her heart wasn't stabilizing. So they decided to use a defibrillator to get her heart back on track. They removed the ambu bag from her mouth, and the nurse who had been pumping it said Gloria smelled garlicky. Eleven of the 37 people present working in the ER that night later said that the unusual smell was definitely coming from Gloria's room, and it was either garlicky or chemically. The ER staff peeled off Gloria's clothes to get the defibrillator paddles on her, and a few noticed that her skin had an oily sheen, more so than just sweat would produce. One said it was a, quote, lacquer-like finish on her body. Mm. It's it, My immediate thought, which is a horrible thought, was like garlic butter, just <laughs> all over her body. Oh, what a horrible thought. But when I was reading through this, I was like, that, great on bread. <laughs> not your body not your body nurse susan kane had started a second iv line on gloria and was pulling a blood sample for analysis the syringe started to fill and a chemical smell increased seemingly coming from gloria's arm nurse kane leaned down to try and investigate where the smell might be coming from and handed the syringe to dr julie gorchinski they both assumed it would be the chemo drugs making any smell from the blood of a cancer patient but what they were smelling was like ammonia, not the usual metallic smell of chemotherapy, which is a real thing. People who are receiving hmm. chemo end up, especially like because they're sweating, all of that, they can end up having a distinct smell to them. It usually goes away, but it's all of those chemicals being pumped through them hmm. that then is excreted in their sweat and in the blood that is being drawn, all of that. Dr. Gorchinski, who was a third-year resident nearing the end of her 10-hour ER shift, took a whiff from the syringe and noticed something else as she held the vial closer. Yellow-brown crystals floating in Gloria's blood. Oh. Very weird. Moments after investigating the smell, Nurse Kane says she felt sick and made her way to the door where she fainted. Mm. She was immediately swept up onto a gurney and taken to another room. Dr. Korczynski, who was standing next to the director of ER medicine, Dr. Umberto Ochoa, said she started to feel sick and lightheaded. 
By the time she made it out of the room, she had slumped to the floor, shaking, and staff said she stopped breathing for brief periods, but was still able to respond to questions. I know you already said this, but what in the Grey's Anatomy is going on here? Truly, it reads as a Grey's Anatomy episode, right? it's in it's insane it's insane and it's all it's all true like the source that the main source that i got this from the primary source i got this from was an article written in late later in 1994 by the washington post and it was extremely well researched obviously Mm -hmm. it didn't have any updates for the you know actual case but it was you know very contemporary as much information as they could possibly get from every report and it was number after number after number like there were 37 people working that night and it was like that was reiterated over and over and Mm -hmm. that'll pop up a few more times as very important but like it reads like an episode of Grey's Anatomy like some kind of medical drama well we'll see but obviously you have way more story to tell but we'll see at the end if I remember because this I'm like they've got to have done something inspired by this yeah stay tuned but also it's 19 seasons so i don't remember everything (laughs) it's a lot lot. you know four other staff members within a matter of minutes were feeling queasy faint or dizzy some even had breathing problems and jerky movements dr ochoa declared an internal emergency and the riverside hazmat team was called to try and figure out what was going on patients and staff were evacuated to a makeshift er and decontamination area in the hospital parking lot Five people, including Dr. Gorchinsky, were taken to nearby hospitals and admitted. 23 of the 37 employees in the ER that night developed at least one symptom related to the incident. Mm. That's a lot of people. During all this chaos, however, a skeleton crew stayed back and provided uninterrupted care to Gloria. Unfortunately, at 8.50 p.m., 35 minutes after she was admitted and only a few minutes after evacuation began, Gloria Ramirez was pronounced dead, which is unfortunate. But I feel like, especially with them not knowing what's happening, there's really no way that they could have done anything else. Yeah. Well, and she wasn't responding to what they were trying to do for her. Not a single thing. Like every, every drug they put in her body was an attempt to calm her and restabilize her heart and her heart was continuously erratic even after the defibrillator so there was no real way of sustaining her this is this is a continued shout out to anyone in the medical field particularly emergency medicine look i live every day as my body as a my own science experiment because I have to as a diabetic. I cannot imagine trying to do that for other people. Obviously, like you're educated, you know a lot, but to be like I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do and it's not working. Yeah, <laughs> to feel like you're just making an like an uh, an educated guess after educated guess after yeah. educated guess, like trying so hard. This is also making me want to watch House. Yeah, House MD. Because th- that's the whole show, like weird yeah. medically. I bet you they probably have done an episode that is based on this incident. That would make a lot of sense for House. I mean, it makes sense for Grey's Anatomy too, because it's like a yeah. whole hospital thing. But yeah. So the hazmat officials began their decontamination procedures at 1 a.m., but found nothing that would pose a public health threat in the ER. At 7 a.m., the ER was reopened. 
By then, Gloria's body had been sealed into a body bag and put into an isolation room. An airtight chamber was constructed, and a few days later, the first autopsy on Gloria's body was performed by doctors wearing moon suits. Like, they were wearing the, like, full safety gear. And if you, whatever you're imagining is probably exactly what it was. Like, you know, eye protection, full, like, you know, squish their face into, like, you know, a whole white bodysuit just to make sure that they weren't going to contract anything from her. They were able to recover air from the body bag and send a sample to the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, which wasn't able to identify the compound. It didn't match any compounds in their comprehensive reference list, but it was classified as an amine, a nitrogen-based compound. So they knew at the very least some of what it was composed of, but they couldn't find a match. All tests for mercury were negative, and while the coroner said there were drugs in her system, he didn't elaborate, making most believe that he was referring to the drugs she was administered at the ER. Her death, according to the coroner's report, was a result of heart and kidney failure caused by her advanced cervical cancer, and the fumes coming off of her body were simply, quote, the fumes of death, end quote. I don't know about you, but I don't think dead people smell like garlic. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I've been fortunate to never be around a new, a freshly dead person. Same. So I can't comment. I can't either. But, but I think if that were the case, more people would have noted it. Yeah. More ER, like more medical professionals would be less inclined to eat garlic bread is essentially what I would correlate it with. Fair. Right? Olive Garden would immediately make them throw up. I want to go to an Olive Garden. <laughs> I've been thinking about that all day. Rory, get in the car. <laughs> Breadsticks. Breadsticks. All employees affected returned to work within a few days, except for two. Dr. Korczynski and nurse Sally Balderas, who had wheeled Gloria's body into the isolation room before evacuating the ER. Nurse Balderas was hospitalized for nine days after the incident and apparently had stopped breathing several times. She was still suffering from severe headaches, fatigue, and shortness of breath when she returned to work part-time six months later. Oh my goodness. Like, that's a long time. Yeah. Dr. Gorchinsky seems to have had the worst of it. She was hospitalized for two weeks in the intensive care unit, needing a breathing apparatus at times, and develop, developed both hepatitis and avascular necrosis in her knees. Essentially, her knees were dying. Ooh. She had three months in a wheelchair and three operations to repair her knees. Her illness meant that she could no longer practice emergency medicine because she couldn't stand for that long anymore. Oh. I know. Dr. Gorchinsky had no underlying or pre-existing issues that would lead to these outcomes, and her attorney, Russell Cussman, said, quote, she has certain clinical findings that can only be explained by poisoning, end quote. Russell was an ER physician before his turn to law and ended up conducting his own investigation into the incident. He said that Dr. Gorchinsky had, quote, elevated levels of liver and pancreas enzymes and abnormally low levels of red blood cell cholinesterase, and of oxygen saturation, end quote. 
He also said, quote, pancreatitis is known to cause avascular necrosis because it interferes with blood circulation, end quote, which is why it would be more likely to happen in your feet or in your legs, mm-hmm. which is why some people who have diabetes and don't take care of themselves can develop that and lose their feet. Mm-hmm. The doctor who was treating her said he had only ever seen one other case of this necrosis and it was mild in comparison. This woman does not have diabetes. She does not have any other pre-existing conditions. She was not ill beforehand. Like Oh, the doctor. The, yes, Dr. Gorchinsky. I was like, Gloria she had was cancer. <laughs> very obviously ill yeah, beforehand. Okay. Got it, got it, got Dr. Gorchinsky, who developed this necrosis, yes. like that is a that is a multi-step thing to right. get to essentially yes. in your body. Yeah. So that's weird. There were three investigations conducted into the incident that year. One was by California's Department of Health and Human Services. Two scientists, Drs. Anna Maria Osorio and Kirsten Walker, interviewed 34 of the 37 hospital staff working that night using a standard questionnaire. They found that those who had the most severe symptoms had certain things in common. Those who worked within two feet of Gloria and handled her IV lines were the most at risk, but the survey found that those with the worst symptoms tended to be women, and all employees had normal blood tests after the exposure. The pair examined some hospital records and concluded by the end of the summer that the incident was, quote, an outbreak of mass sociogenic illness, perhaps triggered by an odor, end quote. Essentially, mass hysteria. Dr. Gorchinsky claims they never came to speak to her. Don't worry, we'll get to my outrage in a little bit. Because mm. if you can't tell... The fuck, bro? <laughs> yeah, if you can't tell, I'm, yeah, skeptical. Anyway... The second investigation was conducted by California's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA. They discovered that the syringe used to draw Gloria's blood had been discarded and the hospital swept clean by the hazmat team. Both of these are normal procedures, but it's annoying in this case Mm -hmm. because it means that we can't necessarily test anything like that. The hazmat team should make sure that things are clean and swept like any potential things that yeah, could be happening. they were like our job is sterilize yes we are sterilized kens Ooh, <laughs> uh, i mean not wrong well, not wrong <laughs> they interviewed 15 employees six weeks after the episode but after examining all ventilation systems chemical storage and drug handling they found nothing that violated safety or health concerns but this wasn't the first time osha had inspected issues at the hospital In 1993, just a year before, an inspection had found the ER permeated with, quote, sewer gas, end quote, from a drain. And in 1991, two employees had sought treatment for a possible toxic gas leak from a sterilizer. So already some smell things happening Mm -hmm. in this hospital. That's weird. Yeah. Like, hospitals smell weird in general, but like, that's weird. OSHA also concluded that while three employees had, quote, an involuntary physiological reaction to some agent, end quote, the rest suffered from mass hysteria after Nurse Kane and Dr. Gorchinsky collapsed. So essentially OSHA's agreeing with Mm. the Department of Health and Human Services. The third investigation was done by the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. They speculated that Gloria had used dimethyl sulfoxide, or DMSO, to help with her pain. 
DMSO is a solvent used as a degreaser and is sold in a gel at hardware stores, but in the 80s was marketed as a kind of folk remedy for athletes with achy joints. Oh. I bet you Magic Man Mike. Magic Man? No. Mountain Man Mike. (laughs) Oh, no. Upgrade. (laughs) I bet you Mountain Man Mike used it in his time as an athlete. Maybe. It could be the oily sheen that the doctors had seen on Gloria when they stripped her for the defibrillator. Uh It is also said to smell garlicky. (gasps) The theory the Livermore scientists put forth was that Gloria's body was already deteriorating from her late-stage cancer, and the half-life that the DMSO would usually have in a healthy person's body would double the amount in an unhealthy one. Essentially, it would last longer. Mm. The DMSO in Gloria's system might have built up because of her kidney failure causing a urinary blockage. When the hospital staff administered oxygen, the DMSO in her system would form dimethyl sulfone, or DMSO2. It is a much more potent solvent that crystallizes at room temp, Mm. like the crystallized something that was in her blood. And when electric shocks were administered through the defibrillator, it could have converted the DMSO2 into dimethyl sulfate, or DMSO4, which is a highly toxic solvent of sulfuric acid. Exposure to DMSO4 can cause exposed tissue death, so like it can essentially kill your eyes and your gums and it's gross convulsions delirium coma and paralysis after 10 minutes of exposure to a half gram in a cubic meter a person could die Mm. the scientists postulated that when the blood sample was taken change in temp from ramirez's body at 98.6 degrees fahrenheit to 64 degrees fahrenheit of the er department room temp like the the room temperature of the ER department Mm -hmm. could have contributed to the conversion from DMSO2 to DMSO4. None of their speculation has been confirmed as the cause of the incident, however. Hmm. Four lawsuits were filed in relation to this case, including one from the family against the hospital for Gloria's death and the mishandling of her body. Because when they got her body, her heart was missing. Oh, and all of the organs on the inside were just completely mishandled. Like, they were not... It was not a routine autopsy. It felt as if they were just kind of poking around. Mm. Which isn't great. Three autopsies were conducted on Gloria's body before she was finally laid to rest. Three, including the first one in the chamber. Before she was finally laid to rest, April 20th, 1994. Reverend Brian Taylor, who conducted her service, said that Gloria was a friend to all and a, quote, carefree joker who brought comfort and joy to others, end quote. And, quote, we can finally give Gloria the dignity of a proper funeral, end quote. Her two children, 12-year-old Evelyn and 9-year-old Angel, stood at the podium during the service as their aunt read a poem written by Evelyn for her mother. Quote, roses are red, violets are blue. The next time I find a rose, it will be just for you. And when the stars shine, it will remind me of you. Aww. End quote. The service was closed with amazing grace sung by the reverend as the television news crews kept their distance at the family's request. Because mm. this was a huge 
story at the time because it's weird. Yeah. But the news crews were constantly bugging the family. They were constantly bugging the ER department. They were constantly bugging the doctors. And everybody just kind of wanted this to end. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to worry about this anymore. So we're going to move into theories. But do you have any initial thoughts? Just crazy. You want to see this episode of... Grey's Anatomy, if well, you haven't already. I did look it up. Oh. I searched Grey's Anatomy, Gloria Ramirez. Let's see. There's an episode called Wishing and Hopin', which is the 14th episode of the third season. It's the 50th episode of the show overall. A cancerous patient... Uh, spoilers for Grey's Anatomy, if you haven't watched it. A cancerous <laughs> patient is admitted into the hospital and is revealed to have toxic blood, which the characters speculate may be caused by a chemical reaction between an herbal supplement and chemotherapy, making several physicians fall ill. Uh, George O'Malley is exposed to a neurotoxin and quickly becomes anxious, fearing that his marriage is the cause of the sickness. This bizarre storyline is based on the real-life case of Gloria Ramirez in California in 1994. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Okay. So they definitely, what, this is like the second season. Do you Third remember? season. Third season. So early on, they were like yeah. calling together all of the weird well, medical stuff. it was the 50th stuff. episode overall. So oh, I think got a, good, like a, a big, big mystery. One. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, this moves us into theories. The first of which is mass hysteria. The investigation conducted by the Department of Health and Human Services concluded that the incident was the case of mass hysteria triggered by an odor and the collapse of two women. The following is a quote from the Washington Post. Mass sociogenic illness is the most likely cause for several reasons, in Osorio's view. It fits the pattern of other outbreaks. Laboratory findings fail to confirm a specific organic cause. The symptoms include hyperventilation or fainting. It mostly affects females. All five hospitalized employees were women. The rapid spread of illness is followed by a quick recovery, and it appears to be transmitted by visual or auditory cues. Oso Rio notes that paramedics who had ridden in an unventilated ambulance and had drawn Ramirez's blood did not get sick. Unless the mystery chemical recovered at the autopsy is identified and found to be toxic, Osorio says, sociogenic illness will remain the probable cause, although she acknowledges it is unusual among a hospital staff. I've never seen it, she says. End full quote. I want to bring two things up. Mm-hmm. One, the paramedics were not affected, potentially because if the DMSO was converted into DMSO-4 by the hospital staff, of course they wouldn't be affected. Right. Well, because they didn't, they didn't do the, clear! Yeah, they They, didn't defibrillate her. And the temperature was different. Exactly. So all of the other factors that the laboratory is saying would have made these people react in this way, potentially, if there was a gaseous substance, it wouldn't have affected them because it wouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. The other is that there were 37 people working that night in the ER. Mm-hmm. There is no number for the amount of women versus men who were working. Mm-hmm. But as an assumption, I think the majority of us know that or can assume that nurses tend to be women. Mm. Especially back in 1994. Yes. So if we assume that 
and have about twice the amount of nurses that you would doctors in an ER ward, then it's likely that the women outnumber the men. So that there were more women affected doesn't feel impossible, but shouldn't necessarily automatically mean hysteria, which is what this seems to imply. That mm-hmm. they recovered quickly. It was almost all women who were very severely affected. So, of course, they're just being... Yeah, also, like, but, like, the, like the person was saying, like, in the medical field, nurses are tough as shit, bro. They, they deal with so much. Exactly. And, look, doctors are important, too. Of and course they are. smart. But, look, if I have a good nurse and if the doctor is a dick, I can deal with it. Yeah. But if I have a nurse that's, like, mean, I'm like, get I me can't. out of here. No. Well, and I think there's a difference between what we think of as like someone who's consistently and constantly practicing the same things over and over, which is a nurse, and someone who's doing more of the research and the background, which is the doctor. They have a lot more of the academic perspective, not to say that they don't actively do things as the daughter of the bone shaman. I can't possibly say that, but um, a lot of times, a lot of doctors are doing a lot more of the digging into things whereas the nurses are the consistent like they're the ones giving you your medications and ministering things to you so in any case that was weird also it had hysteria doesn't explain that dr jerk gruchinski's knees rotting away yeah um mass hysteria shouldn't make your knees rot yeah so unless they come up with an excuse of like yeah something she had weird mold growing in her house and that's why she it got triggered by this event but it was separate yeah so she wasn't even interviewed for this investigation in particular and claims that these investigators did not have access to the raw toxicological data from gloria's autopsy and so made assumptions and conclusions without looking at all of the data doctor kind of scientists are you truly Dr. Osorio declined to comment on whether they had reached out to Dr. Gorchinsky because of potential confidentiality issues, which, fine, but, quote, acknowledges that she did not receive an autopsy report or the raw data from the coroner's office, end quote. They gave this report, they released this report in September. You had time. The coroner's report was finished by the time that Gloria's body was buried. So What? You didn't even think to look at all of the evidence to figure out what was happening? Why? You lazy? Because that feels bad. But like Dr. Gorchinsky herself, she was like, this doesn't make sense. Why are, why are you telling me and the other four people who were severely injured by this that you we are pretending? Mm-hmm. How dare you, essentially? Dr. Gorchinsky's own doctor during her time in recovery said, quote, these are people who work in an emergency room of a public hospital who look at sucking chest wounds all day and people with their brains poking out of their heads. And a patient comes in who's dying of natural causes and someone smells something funny and everyone's overcome, end quote. Obviously, he is a skeptic, like most of us, of this theory, as is Peter Kurtz, a pesticide toxicologist at the California Department of Food and Agriculture, who said, quote, I argue that an emergency room is a very large chemistry set. I bet you I could go back there and on any given day you'll find amines, which is the substance that they are claiming is in the air. Sorry, the end quote. Substance they're claiming is in the air. Just like, guys, this is a ER. This is not the worst or weirdest thing they've seen. Mm-hmm. Mass hysteria in this environment doesn't necessarily make sense. This isn't someone wielding a gun in the ER, which is also an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I'm just guessing. 
You are correct. <laughs> I want to say it's season six. <laughs> she even knows you um, can pinpoint. Look, okay, I don't... Rebecca and I have talked about this. Rebecca is also a fan of Grey's Anatomy. Sometimes when you just need to, like, get your feelings out, you just turn on a traumatic episode of Grey's Anatomy so that you can cry. So, like, there's a shooting episode. There's a plane crash episode. Yeah. Literally, I feel like anything you, at this point, right, we're 19 seasons deep, any sort of disaster that you could name right now, I could be like, yes, let's play this game. I want, give me some, give, give me some bad things that could happen and I'll tell you yes or no. I feel like, do you remember, oh, Degrassi? No. I never watched Degrassi. I didn't either. <laughs> but... I do. I'm aware of its existence. Yeah, exactly. Same. Drake. I had friends who watched it, and I remember them talking about, you know, of course, there's a school shooting episode. There's mm-hmm. all of these, a teen pregnancy episode, all of that stuff. And I feel like, especially for, like, medical dramas, the possibilities are endless. No, but, like, it's not even, like, medical stuff that's happening. It's, like, bad stuff that happens to the hospital. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's and, like, fair. Rebecca has a theory. I think it's, like... I think it must be like even even numbered seasons end with like a big traumatic thing and like odd numbered seasons end happily. That doesn't it doesn't shake out exactly like that, but weird. Well, because you can't end every season on like a big dramatic cliffhanger. cliffhanger. So you don't want to play this game with me. I'm just trying to go through all of the things that I don't already know about the episodes of Grey's Anatomy because I remember the tooth compaction episode where it like goes to her brain. Well, that that's the cliffhanger. Oh, that's the right. Most recent season. Yes, because I remember you talking about this. Yeah. Um, go to get your teeth checked, friends. You have a toothache. Let's don't see. Wait. All right, so we've established that there was a, a shooter in the hospital. Spoilers, but whatever. Yeah. So sorry, friends. If you skip if you, ahead. Yeah. If you care. <laughs> I feel like Sarah Billman is like shouting at her podcast right now. Probably. She's, um, she's also a fan. Yeah. Someone is pregnant and they don't know it. Oh, that's not a disaster though. That's, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm thinking. That's like, what I'm saying. It's not like medical stuff that gotta, happens. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Bad things there's overall. A, there's a tornado coming towards the hospital. Uh, maybe not a tornado because they like are in, hur- they, oh, they're in Seattle. Like a nor'easter but on the West Coast. The bad storms bad have storm. happened. Okay. Yeah. Um, that like knock there's out been, generators or whatever. flooding. Flooding. And then okay. someone went down to like check the generators and got <gasps> electrocuted because um. there was standing water. That's terrifying. Yeah. Let's see. A ambulance crash. Oh, probably. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're upside down, and Meredith has to like I've seen that climb episode. in there, and it's sad because they're like buddies. They're like partners, and one of them's like keeping the other one alive, yeah. but he's actually dead the whole time. Yeah, that's the episode that I think I saw of Grey's Anatomy and I went, nope, can't do. You were like, yeah, that makes sense because I think she's still an intern at that point. Can't. (laughs) Terrifying. Okay, so that one I kind of... I'm laughing at Emma to be be clear. (laughs) Not Not other people's trauma. Let's see. Oh, this is me now knowing things because there was a school bus crash. Oh, there was, yeah. Yeah, and that one was sad too. Um, Yeah. The girl from Gossip Girl is in it. And from that ice skater movie. Michelle Trachtenberg. Her. Okay, let's see. One more. One more. Oh, Umberto Echo Echo style. Like, just 
licks a book and gets poisoned. I know it's a medical thing. It's not a disaster. <laughs> I, I can't, I don't remember. Can't confirm or deny. That's the thing. Like, I'm like, I don't remember all the medical cases necessarily, but I can remember like, all right, here's a roundup of things I can remember. Oh, There's great. a big ferry crash. Oof. There's a plane crash with a bunch of doctors on it. That one There's a out. fire in the hospital. There's flooding. There's a bomb. That's very early on. That's yeah. Season two. I remember you talking about that last night. Yes, at dinner. There's like, oh, there's this big, well, it's related to the fire, but basically this girl comes in and there's a man and it's like, oh, they were in a car that like went over the side of a cliff and they're like, oh, we think they were like lover's lane situation and she's unconscious. And so they're taking the word of the man, but it turns out that he was assaulting her and she just put her car in drive so that she could make it stop. So then he's like he like escapes from his bed because the doctor that's taking care of him doesn't know because da, da, da. so then to, this like, feels like something you've recently watched to, no i haven't um to escape from them they like try and set off the fire alarm but then the fire spreads and like it was a really Whoa. rough episode for that intern she just she doesn't come back like she survives but she's like i'm gonna not be a doctor <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> I almost set an entire hospital on fire. I well, think I'm done. It was like a wing of the hospital. Oh, gosh. But she was trying to protect a child. That's there sad. was a child. I, anyway. There was a child. <laughs> yeah. No, see. A child. A child. Oh, wait. All right. Anyway, well, if you guys This are... has been your mini-sode of Grey's Anatomy Trauma Time. <laughs> Ding. Ding. <laughs> Take a shot of tequila and dance it out. Well... We have more theories. <laughs> okay. So our second is a bit more in the weeds of the medical scientific, which is the DMSO. So it's still inconclusive, but the theory remains that DMSO had been changed into DMSO4 and is to blame. But remember the paramedics, like I said before, they drew her blood, even spilled it, and made no allusion to the feeling of faintness or any smells even coming off of her. So it makes sense that the forced oxygen was what is changing the compound, which makes her smell more garlicky and which eventually becomes gaseous and then hurts people. Mm-hmm. But it may be that like it's a it needed time because they were only in the ambulance for, for 14 fi- minutes, 14 yeah. minutes. So maybe it was like starting the process, but maybe. it wasn't until it yeah. like built up and then they like, shocked her and that like maybe. But there are two things that don't really shake out. Her family was like, we don't even have that in our house. We don't have DMSO, like the the gel in our house. Like if she was using that, she was using it on the down low and that feels weird. Um, Also, she would have had to used an insane amount. Granted, her body is declining which might mean that she might not need as much in order to produce a reaction like this. But it might have been the DMSO that was making her feel short of breath, that was making her feel nauseous and needing to throw up, that was making her completely like confused and all of that because she was essentially poisoning her body. But still weird. Like that's an, You'd still need a lot in order to make that happen. Peter Kurtz, the toxicologist, also doesn't believe this theory and says, quote, I couldn't imagine that a body would be holding back a chemical and with a needle puncture that would come pouring out, end quote. 
Overall, though, he doesn't believe a toxic event took place with a mysterious agent that no one can name. He's like, it's got to be something. Like, something is happening here, obviously. But I see his point with there were only, there was two IVs in her and one needle pulling blood. The IVs were, while in her, are there. I don't know if you all, and I'm sorry about the needle talk. I am someone who hyperventilates and passes out every time I even see a needle. So like the fact that I'm talking about them, first of all, be proud. Um, second, so sorry. But an IV needle needs to be large enough in order to push the saline or whatever is in the IV bag into your system and into your vein. So they're pretty thick needles. But there isn't a lot of space around that because it's against your skin for you to bleed around it because they're also sealing it off. But with drawing blood, obviously it's coming out of you. But I see his point. It's a small piece. It's a small amount that's also coming out. So that's weird. Granted, again, we don't know what it actually is. And the people who were the most affected actually took like sniffs of it like they were pulling putting it up to their faces so depending on what it actually is it could be that a small amount even could have you develop necrosis in your knees but overall just weird like there's no there's no definitive answer with this and even with tests done to like create dmso4 which technically is a war gas like there's no real way of recreating exactly what happened because a warm body and you know the amount of people and the temperature and the like that's a there are a lot of factors happening Mm -hmm. so this brings us to our last theory meth oh (laughs) didn't think we were going here huh so dr harina bot a science educator and public speaker has a theory of her own and it's very breaking bad as Riverside County is known for the production and distribution of meth. In 2012, it was dubbed the meth capital of the world by the Bureau of Narcotic Enforcement. Since the 80s, meth labs were continuously being shut down in Riverside County. And in 2022, the DEA seized around 3,552 pounds of methamphetamine and 66 kilos of cocaine in Norco, California. Dang. Yeah. And not all of these were underground. One was found in a daycare a (gasps) year after Gloria died. Oh my gosh. Like they were just in the back of the daycare making meth. Oh my gosh. On a lighter note, please tell me that you know the the little fun tidbit about Breaking Bad that the meth on set was just like rock candy. It was rock candy that was dyed blue. I love that. um, Brian, Brian Cranston, who plays Walter White, would go up to, like, when they had guests on the show, he'd be like, go on, taste it, do it, do it. <laughs> so, like, as they were shooting, they'd have less and less meth, like, in meth props. they were eating it. I and love I was, like, that. relatable. That would be me. I'd Rock be like, candy. oh, this snack? <laughs> I love that. I love Brian Cranston. If you guys are not familiar with the show Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, what a moment in time. Peak cringe stupid comedy which is just my vibe also it's so 90s and so like beige corduroy yeah 
you know. But it's like supposed to be. It's a, yeah, no, no, no. It's but it's yeah, intentional definitely. beige corduroy. <laughs> yeah, I I loved that show. My family and I would watch it all the time. I had such a crush on Frankie Muniz. So did I. Agent Cody Banks. Ugh, what a movie. Agent Cody Banks too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was on an episode of Criminal Minds where he was like a werewolf killer. It was a lot. Ew. Yeah. Well, you know, child actors. <laughs> Gotta get somewhere. Nice work if you can get it. So, a hospital meth lab isn't unheard of. <gasps> They've not done that on Grey's Anatomy. I should have guessed it, but I, I thought I'd be giving it away. But I remember. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> That's how the show ends. Season Just the 20. Hospital meth lab. Shut down. <laughs> so, a hospital in Colorado in 1990 was busted because they set up a lab within a lab and made meth at night. The employee was only busted when another employee smelled strong fumes. Now I'm second guessing myself. If maybe it did already happen. Or I think maybe they did it on an episode of House. That would make sense. I don't know. It probably happened on something. Yeah. Well, the smell is where we might be landing with this one. So cooked meth does not have a smell, but its precursors do, including methylamine. Remember the compound found in the body bag air? What a pretty name. Methylamine. What a... (laughs) Please welcome to the stage. Methylamine. What a drag queen name. <laughs> Call her Amy for short. Methyl Merman. Methyl Mer- Good job. Good job. And a musical reference. Well done. Ugh. Anyway. So, this compound smells like ammonia, which is what the nurses and doctors claimed they were smelling from Gloria. Not the metallic chemotherapy possibility, not anything that would have been, like they smelled the garlicky stuff, but it wasn't as strong as this ammonia smell from her when they pulled the blood. Mm -hmm. The consistency of methylamine is similar to saline in an IV bag. So it's got that like viscosity. So if there was a meth lab in the hospital, ostensibly a bag could have been switched and the wrong bag hooked up to Gloria's IV unbeknownst to her care team. When the blood was drawn, Nurse Kane smelled the ammonia, but by then the methylamine was already being exposed to the air, quickly becoming gas. This may be why there were no traces of methylamine in Gloria's body and why so many people got sick so quickly. They were breathing in the precursor to meth, and why it was around her body and in the air of the body bag, but not in her body. Mm. The symptoms of methylamine exposure also line up with all of the reported symptoms the hospital staff had. Headaches, fainting, nausea, all of it. If you have it severe enough, you can stop breathing, like Nurse Kane and Dr. Korczynski had, And it can lead to things like pancreatitis. Mm. And remember the sewer fumes that had been reported in the hospital by OSHA? The morning of February 19th, the day of the incident, employees were again complaining of the sewer fumes smell. Mm. 
So is it the smell of cooking meth or just a bad work environment? We don't know because unfortunately it seems like we'll never have a real explanation for what happened to Gloria Ramirez or the staff at Riverside Hospital, but maybe meth? That's it, my friends. We don't know. (laughs) I know. This is unfortunately not an episode of Grey's Anatomy where we get some kind of answer. Found me. Do you remember what the answer was? Was it because of a reaction in her blood or something? I don't remember. All right. Well, now now we'll just have to. Oh, I'm going home tonight. I'm watching this episode. (laughs) 100%. And then I'm going to send it to... um, so in addition to Erica starting a rewatch, I also have a book community friend named Emily who is watching it for the first time ever. Whoa. That's been texting me That's and our book friend thing. Amanda in a group chat. And it's <laughs> it was very funny because through a series of unfortunate events, oh. the name of the hospital changes several times throughout the series. Uh, so That's why I couldn't I was going to call it out and then I realized I can't I, <laughs> yeah, I don't you're know. like what is it even called? So initially the group chat was called Seattle Grace with the hospital emoji, but now it's called Seattle Grace Mercy West. So because <laughs> Amanda changed it once she got, she got confirmation that, that, uh, that Emily had reached a certain point. So I imagine that'll continue to happen in the group chat, which is just delightful. Um, so funny. Yeah. But uh, they're not all traumatic bad events. Like some of them are just like... Economic. That's what this first one is. It's like a merger because Ah. they like need money or whatever. Fair. But yeah, it's a good show. If you can deal with like some, I would argue that overall, Grey's Anatomy is not the most like graphic, gory. Like I remember my parents watching ER when I was Mm -hmm. a kid, and why did the original drama? Why did they ever let me? tag along on the couch for that because there was a lot going on do you want to know what i watched as a kid constantly in the middle of the night when i couldn't sleep what mysteries at the er we've talked about this though like i used to watch criminal minds till three in the morning and then go to bed in my dad's basement divorced yeah. condo like, and, like it didn't matter i feel like when you're younger you don't have as much like anxiety or like you don't have enough awareness of the world to have that anxiety. I think that's it. The awareness so you're just like, part. oh, this is cool and interesting. The like other people exist and feel things same as I do kind of thing. Yeah. Like you're not you're not there well, yet maturity like, wise. I mean like I uh, obviously like I have had diabetes basically my whole life. But like other than that, you and I were fortunate enough to yeah. grow up like very, very able-bodied. Able-bodied, not experiencing a lot of medical like stuff. So you don't think, of, yeah, you're like, oh, that's just like stuff yeah. that happens to other people. But, but now like, that we're like older and, uh, and nothing works <laughs> and you have to pay $40 for a specialist copay when the doctor sees you for like five whole minutes and you're like, seriously? And then they make you pay for parking. Yeah, that part is annoying. I was like, seriously? The mm-hmm. hospital's making me pay for parking when I'm coming because to it's, get care? It's technically a, a physician's like a private hospital yeah it's dumb it is dumb. Um, but anyway yeah, i remember an episode of mysteries at the er that i was watching while i was staying with my aunt mm-hmm. the good witch not the bad witch oh i see um i was like shelly no, no not no different <laughs> other Sarah's. side 
but the good witch, I was staying with her and my uncle was off on some conference. So I was staying in her room Mm -hmm. and she sleeps like the dead, like you do. And so having the TV on didn't bother her. I love that you think I sleep like the dead. No, you look like you, you're, oh, you're dead see. when you're sleeping, whereas she actually sleeps like the dead. Like I me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I sleep like the Sorry. That was mi- <laughs> misconstrued in my own brain. I sleep like the dead. Shannon sleeps as and looks as if she's dead. <laughs> but she was fine with me having the TV on. And so I was watching some episode of Mysteries at the ER on TLC at like 2 a.m., and she rolls over to me watching a homeless man's leg covered in maggots <gasps> being portrayed by actors, which also gross. Oh, gosh. But then the conclusion of it was that actually his leg was saved, which they then explained was because the maggots are eating the dead skin and the mm-hmm. dead tissue. Once there's no dead tissue, mm-hmm. they will stop. And oh, they right. will die. Yeah, yeah. So the infection that this man had yeah. on his leg was cured by the maggots. Yeah. And the when he went to the ER, he still had them all over his body or like all over his leg. And the doctor, the ER doc was like, we got to get these off you, man. And he's like. But then it got worse. It got bad. And so they were like, well, why, why? And they figured it out. And it was because he had the saliva of them in him. And so like yeah. nothing was working. It was like reacting weird. They figured it out. They saved his leg. They didn't have to cut it off, which was his fear because he was like, I'm already homeless. If I'm homeless and disabled, that's not going to be great. So they figured it out. He was safe. He was fine. And I learned that that's what the Romans used to do, Mm -hmm. especially during war, Mm -hmm. because then they could save people's limbs. Right. But it just kind of died away as a practice. Uh-huh. And well, because so it seems gross. It seems disgusting. It's like, yeah. oh, it's death. Like maggots only come out when there's death. But it's like well, that. I mean, there was the the girl on TikTok who had maggots like in her lighting fixture because her oh, neighbor upstairs gross. had totally died. Paranoia. Um, Gr- if I gross. see a single anything, I'm calling the police. I'm like, there's a dead person upstairs. Yeah. You need to. You need I to saw it on TikTok one time. You got a wel- welfare check. <laughs> Truly. That nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Anyway. Yeah, so um, you're welcome for that nightmare. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? Is it meth? Is it meth? (laughs) And remember, this podcast doesn't exist. Drugs? (laughs) Drugs? Get out of here. Drugs? Remember we established that my only accent I can do is Chihuahua. Drugs? This episode was researched, co-produced, and edited by Emma Kiley. Co-produced and marketed by Shannon McCarthy. Our theme music was composed and performed by Tom Emsley-Smith. The mailbag theme music was composed by Liam Kiley.